This is Paul Jackman, the world's most famous woodworker from Making Fun, and Jackman works on YouTube on the Builder Session Podcast. Welcome to the Builder Sessions, a podcast where we chat with your favorite builders. We get to know them, their stories, and hopefully inspire you to get off the couch and build something cool. I'm Hoff. And I'm Rosie. And on this episode, we chat with Paul Jackman from Jackman Works on YouTube and Making Fun on Netflix. We talk about how he got to where he is in his career, his experience taking the plunge into full-time content creation, being adaptable, and working with what you have, and a ton more. Please enjoy our interview with Paul. Paul, thanks so much for coming on the show today. We really appreciate it. Thanks, thanks for having me. I appreciate the invite. This is exciting. Uh, We've been looking forward to this. Forgive you for being one. second to grass, but that's okay. <laughs> hey, I was just like a. We sent him out, and it was whoever came back. No, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe this will. Well, with Graz, with his, uh, with his show, our um, roadcaster here that we used to record. <laughs> we had some problems that day. <laughs> we didn't. We didn't like dump the SD card, and it it and there's like eight hours of potential, and we just mm-hmm. I just kept it on there, and I didn't think to to clear it out. I thought we had a ton of time, and all of a sudden I looked, and there's like five minutes left. I'm like, oh <laughs> man, we're so screwed. So it cut off at like thirty minutes with his episode, and so we didn't really get to. And then to transfer it all, it takes hours to, to right. unload yeah, all that stuff yeah so it yeah. was we're full free we have eight hours we can we have, chat now. yeah so you're you're one oh, we're good to go you're one up in garage oh, yeah. right now yeah right just, <laughs> we'll, we'll be just, here until tomorrow just yeah. By, yeah exactly hope hopefully you don't have anything planned <laughs> i feel but, like i'll run out of stories after an hour and then i don't know where we're going from oh, we'll figure it out we'll figure it out but for those of our listeners who don't know who you are or what you're what you're involved with and um what you do um tell us a little bit about yourself uh, I mean, my name is Paul Jackman. Jackman works what I go by on the internet, and I do primarily woodworking, a lot of reclaimed stuff. Uh, that's what I do full time is YouTube videos and other content on social media. And I also have a Netflix show called Making Fun with co-star Graz Makes and uh, a little guy named Jimmy Duresta and Pat Lapp and Derek from Malden. I think we'll get into that. I I I have a ton of questions about the show, but. I think we need to know this. We start. We need to start from the beginning. How'd you get started? Like, what got you? What got you into this? Was it like some moment in shop class when you were twelve, in ju- like you know, junior? How we call it junior high school up here? But um, what, what was it for you that got you hooked? I mean, kind of like I've I've always been a person who just likes making and and tinkering with stuff. And probably middle school age, I. I've made skateboard ramps and stuff from uh, uh, just plywood and stuff. My dad would pick up at job sites when they like cut out the windows or whatever. They just throw that stuff away. So he would just gather up that stuff for me, bring it home. And I made like skateboard ramps and just all sorts of random junk that it never looked great. It worked. Uh, but that's kind of how I started learning and then got to high school age. There's a Voc Tech high school nearby. I was like, wait a second, you can you can take carpentry classes as school credit. And I was like, I, I definitely have to do that. So did that for four years and it was a it's like a full vocational high school so it's like every other week set up where you have full shop class for a week and then you have your academic classes on the opposite weeks and you do that for four years and uh that's cool went to college after that i guess that's how i got started i went to college civil engineering and then i'm doing what i am now kind of by accident so that vocational schooling then a full week of whatever, six, eight hours a day in shop class. And then it would rotate every week between academic and shop. Right. So it was every other week. So it's not just like a little tech ed program or a shop class. It was like full on, like very intensive, which was an awesome opportunity. It's incredible. Wow. I bet. Yeah. I bet if you're hands-on learning, you're into the trade, what, what type, what type of uh, trades programs were offered with that program? I think they had like 20 different shop classes. They have like 25 now, maybe 30. 
going on. Uh, but there's like, you know, the traditional carpentry, electrical, plumbing, that stuff, HVAC now, which is new. And then they have like culinary and cosmetology, health careers, electronics. That's all the ones I can think of. That's Computer. Cool. There's wow. like a information technology class. And then the car stuff and marine is another one. Oh, wow. so basically anything you could think of. They have a, a vet tech program now too, which is new since I've been there. That's amazing. What a cool yeah. opportunity. So just, it keeps getting bigger. It's like, it's more, it's, it started, I don't know, maybe 50 years ago, 40 years ago when it was like new, it was kind of the place that the kids went to that weren't college bound. Yeah, it was, of course. Yeah. You know, something that, that it's like, okay, give them a chance to go in the trades and do that. Now it's like the opposite. There's like yeah. a waiting list to get in there. And there's like the place that people want to go if they have the choice. So you have to like, it's competitive to yeah. get in there now. Isn't that refreshing how that change is happening? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I don't know how it is like across the country. That's in Massachusetts. And there's like a really good Vogue tech program here. Yeah. At least in, in New England and, and Massachusetts in the U S and uh, it's, it's, it's great. It's like you get the hand-on skills and also the academic classes are also just as good. Like I went to college after that and I was fine for the yeah. most part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like when I was in high school, my grades were horrible. I had like a 2.7 or whatever GPA. And our guidance counselor was like, you should probably think about being a mechanic. Yeah. <laughs> now it's like not a oh, low percentages of, of people. There's still a bit of a stigma. Yeah. But it's, I find it even in the last five years since I've been doing it, it's been, it's less and less of a dumping ground every year. And they're starting to realize that not every kid goes to university to get a science degree out of high school. Sorry. Right. And they're starting to realize, yeah, you do need to know stuff and have a brain to be a tradesperson. I don't know how I yeah, got it into it, it, but it's other, other people, I was speaking for other people. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was nice. Cause like I had, I had good grades. So I had the options to, if I wanted to go to college or not, of course, yeah. I didn't want to. Cause I was like, well, I got all this knowledge now I can go out work in the industry for a few years and then start my own business. Like that was kind of always my plan, but I graduated high school in 2009 and I was like, well, there's not a ton of opportunities going on right now. So I kind of, that kind of forced my hand and I ended up going to college, even though I didn't really want to, but I did. It was fine. Do you find the engineering background helps you with creating and making like kind of understanding and looking at something and designing stuff? Do you find that helps with the finished product and the process of getting to that finished product? I, I think it does. It's, it's really, it's a mindset, like thinking mm -hmm. like an engineer and, like, you know, the engineering classes you take at school and the whole degree is it's for the most part, like learning how to learn, like it makes you very curious and just, you know, good at solving problems and, and figuring stuff out more than the engineering degree itself. Like you come out, out with specific knowledge, like the civil engineering side of stuff, but a lot of it is just problem solving. And learning how to think like a learner. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, like just endless you know, you're always a student. Yeah. You're always learning new things. What I'm working on right now is a teardrop camera is built like a boat. I've never built a boat before. This is all brand new to me, but it's like, you could take what you know and expand on that. And it's really not that difficult. And, and I'm open to learn it. Like I really want to learn it. It's one of the reasons I took on the project is because it's new to me and I have no idea what I'm doing and I'm uncomfortable and that's good. That's a great mindset to have. I think a lot of people need to embrace the uncomfortableness um, to be able to kind of push them past their shell. And I think that's where the majority of the learning happens is when you, you know, get into something where you're not comfortable and you have that also the mindset of I'm going to continually learn and learn new skills. I think that's a great mindset to have throughout a, a build that's new to people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I, I find when you're uncomfortable the most, that's, that's when you grow the most as a person. Yeah. It's a common theme we've had. So you get this call from, uh, I forget what company you said you're building that teardrop for. But you for get, Arbor Tech Tools. Yeah, okay. They make power, the power carving tools. So you get the call from them. You've never built anything like that before. What's your process like? What, what are your steps? You just start Googling. You start just throwing, you know, some drawings together. Like, what, what's your process? So, so with that, in this case, it's, it's a design that's made by CLC boat. They design boats, which is why this is built the way that it is like a boat makes sense. Um, Arbor Tech had seen that design at one point and they're like, we really like the look of this. And I was thinking about designing my own. I was like, ah, oh, maybe I can make an iteration of, you know, something similar. 
and then digging into it more. I was like, this is pretty complicated. It's a funky shape. Like it's not just building a box. It's like there's curves and it's, it's not an easy thing to design. So ended up using their design. I'm working with them on, on the video too. And, and it's kind of a whole uh, trade with them and, and Arbor tech and whatnot. And, uh, I'm using their kit and their design and building it from there. So kind of the whole process is kind of laid out already. So I don't have to figure out too much. And I'm going to, you know, in the customizations for Arbor Tech is where I get to kind of go into the engineering side of things and figure some new stuff out. That's really cool. Just yeah. Because like I figure like once I get the whole thing built, like then I know how to build a boat, then I can customize it. Then I can, you know, use that stuff I just learned. Then you can build a boat. Design some new stuff. Yeah. That's, of... <laughs> that's next. Like, that's what I want to do. So are you thinking when you build a boat, what's your perfect, are you, you paddles? You're going to put some like little electric in, like motor in there. You're going to put some 350 horse, yeah, some, some big <laughs> gas job, you know, what, what's, what, what would you do? So there, there's, there's two different boats I want to build. The, the one that's been on my list, there's like a to-do list I have. Uh, it's been on there for years is a pallet wood strip canoe. So making my own strips for like a, you know, classic like strip canoe design, but out of pallet wood. So it'll be like all these different species. And in the the U.S. at least, we get a lot of like hardwood pallets and stuff. I know it's not so much in Canada, but I'm lucky here. I get all all sorts, everything you can think of in a pallet. So it'll be this cool rainbow of wood. That's cool. So speaking of the reclaimed, uh, reclaimed materials, you do a lot of reclaimed projects or projects with reclaimed materials. How... Do you enjoy ripping pallets apart and, you know, reusing something that's been used for to what say put a machine on or, you know, stacks of boxes of tile? Like, do you, you seem to do a lot of projects with reclaimed wood. Do you, you obviously enjoy working with it? Kind of some days. There's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of sharpening of planer blades. And imagine, blades. Yeah. imagine he's no, it's the worst thing ever. I hate myself. That's why I do it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's in suffering that you grow, right? That's what you said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, something like that. I'll stay consistent, I guess. <laughs> stay on brand, hey? <laughs> yeah. It's it's fun once you get past the part of, like, pulling the nails out one that. Like, that's just a part of the process. You have to do it. Just like, you know, sanding a table that you built. Like, it's not the most fun part of the process, but you got to do it. Uh, so, you know, take the pallets apart and stuff. But once you get to build stuff with the, you know, the, the lumber that you're getting, that you're harvesting off of whatever it is. It could be a pallet, it could be a barn. Uh, it's, it's very rewarding. It's just kind of like a sexy idea too. It's like this stuff's been used already, but it's got another life. It's not done yet. Yeah. So you can, you can keep it going see how long you keep it going too. Like maybe you can reclaim that again in 50 years when it's out of style. <laughs> and I think it's really relatable people, especially with just how things are in the world, people wanting to save money and people are into this whole like flip business too and like it's a real it seems like i don't i don't want to say use the word trendy because i don't think it's going away like saving money isn't i don't know if that's a trend (laughs) but i think it's i think it's very relatable and very timely especially with how things are at now have you noticed like an uptake in the last like two three years of of your content based on on just that alone yeah, I mean, it always it always gets clicks. People like Palo would like a lot of people like to say like it's a trend and it's dying or it is dead or whatever. It's like no. I don't think it'll ever really die. Not it's probably chance. not as popular as it was at its peak, but it's like such an accessible thing. Like everybody knows what a pallet is. They see them on the side of the road. They're everywhere. Like they're the most accessible thing that I could think of that is free. Yeah. So like everybody can kind of relate to it. They can see the project and they can replicate it if they if they want. And that's that's one of the reasons I like it so much is I'm trying to stay relatable with my audience like as i grow like my shop gradually gets bigger and bigger every time i move and i'm like slightly less relatable every time but like the palette was always there that's always you know raw material no matter how big your tools are same process like it's the same process taking the palettes apart and using them it's true let's let's talk about the progression of the shop spaces you've been i've kind of done a you know, read a few things and it seems like you've been you've been moving around a little bit and building shops and you're currently working with your barn shop now how's that journey been for you with starting and stopping or getting a shop up to a certain point then moving even for ourselves with the with the schools you know you get to a certain point where you spend four or five years building organizing tool layouts french cleat walls and then you know you go somewhere and you're starting from scratch how is how's that journey been 
yeah, it's it's not fun. <laughs> <laughs> Getting into the new shop is fun, but then having to fit it out and stuff. Like I'm still, I just did a French cleat wall in my barn too, and I've been here for two years. And like I'm just very slowly fitting it out as I can, as I have time. Uh, but that's the thing is it takes so much time and it's not by choice, but my wife's in the military. So we move around every mm. three years, we get restationed, relocated. Uh, and, and that's the reason I've been in four shops now, five shops. I lost count. It's been so many, <laughs> but just in my time in YouTube, I started in the basement shop up in Graz's house where he lives now. Uh, we lived there as a duplex. So we lived in each of the apartments. I was in the basement. Uh, from there, we moved to Rhode Island. It was a little boathouse on a river, uh, this old mill building. It was like an old textile mill that they turned into artists, like lofts and stuff. Uh, That's moved cool. to D.C. from there. I was in a one-car garage on a military base, which was not great. That was actually downgrade. That was a bit smaller. Um, and now I'm in Massachusetts. So I guess that's four on the, on the YouTube career, at least. Now, is this the biggest shop that you're in right now or currently? Yeah, it's definitely. It's, it's uh, I don't know, about a thousand square feet. It's the second story of a barn. And the barn is actually owned by my carpentry teacher from the tech school. No way. So kind of every, yeah, everything came full circle. That's so cool. Yeah. So he, he retired this summer. So that was kind of the plan is he's like, what do you, he called me like a couple, a uh, couple of years before we moved. He's like, what are you guys doing in a, a couple of years? I was like, I don't know. My wife's up for relocation. And he's like, well, I got this barn that I just inherited from a friend of mine and I'm trying to put a wood shop in there. And I was like, well, let me see what we could do. And my wife like pulled some strings and somehow got us moved here locally and got restationed here locally. And I was like, Hey, let's, let's do it. So that was the kind of the plan. He's like, I want to put a wood shop up there to replace the wood shop at the school. He doesn't have access to that anymore. So he kind of has the tools if he needs to use them, they're there. And then I get to use the space for the YouTube stuff. That is the coolest. Right. Hey. And, and there's a lot of history probably in that barn too. Yeah. And he, so he built the barn for his, his friend who he inherited the property from. No it was built, I believe the year that I was born or pretty close. I think it was like nine years. That's 91. the coolest. So like the barn is as old as me. Yeah. <laughs> And it's just, yeah, I'm trying to get him in the videos too. Like he's very, he's, he's a shop teacher. He's like this old crusty shop teacher, which you would expect from that. And of course, he used to yeah. be a boat builder. Like that's kind of his background. So I'm trying to get him into the videos. He's very talkative. He's a very good storyteller and yeah, uh, he, he's, you know, good for, good for YouTube. I just got to pin him down. That's amazing. What a cool story how it's come full circle like that. Hey, right. And it all kind of happened by accident too. Like I was working for, after college, I worked for three years for a construction company as an estimator. So we did like big, like multi-million dollar houses and commercial projects and whatnot. And my wife, both our fathers were in the Coast Guard and she'd always kind of wanted to do it herself too. And at one point she was just like, I just, I really want to try this out. And I was like, yeah, let's try it. Like the YouTube stuff was getting some traction. I was like, I could try that for a year, see if that can actually make some money and we'll see where it goes. And we just, I quit my job and we relocated and it just, it happened and it worked out. I'm still doing it. So what was that jump like? Like from, from being full-time, having a full-time paycheck that you can kind of count on. And then all of a sudden it, it's a big, that's up. Well, you're used, I guess you'd be kind of used to uprooting your life and, and moving around. However, uprooting your, like the consistency and the, the assurance of having a, paycheck every two weeks or month or whatever it is what was that transition like leaving that full-time job and uh and getting and just taking a chance in youtube and just seeing what happens i mean i'm a i'm a trust fund baby so i got on the endless money so i was good oh sweet no i'm kidding <laughs> i know <laughs> it's I not just, easy. i just called dad really it's yeah uh... i just dad i need my allowance <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. Serious answers is not easy. It's not an no. easy jump. Like you're jumping off a cliff and you don't know what's under you. Yeah. Um, but like, luckily, I was I was working up near Boston, so I got a good paying job for three years. I was able to save up some money, and uh, I was like, we got enough money. If if this doesn't work out in a couple of years, like I can go get another job again. It's like you have an engineering degree, you can always get a job anywhere. That's like, fair. People just like to hire engineers. Um. So it's like I I got that backbone to go back to if I need to. I can always make tables i can make adirondack chairs anything to make some money so i was like yeah, i have that trade expertise and that's always valuable no matter what like people are always looking for people to build stuff so it's like i was uncomfortable but also i knew that i had you know some savings and i had the skills to make money if i needed it that's a good point how many people take that yeah. jump i mean whether it's financially that's a that's a lot to take on the shoulders of okay well if this doesn't work out it's it's on me because it's just me doing this making videos content 
whatever you're doing on the your YouTube channels. And if it doesn't work out, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I could just jump into something and be like, well, knowing how to build things, but then the whole video side and the editing, like that's a whole nother aspect of it too. So how, how did you mm-hmm. get trained or have you learned how to use like the, for the uh, video side? Yeah, the video stuff was all self-taught and I got a lot of help from Graz and from Pat Lapp. They're both video guys kind of by trade. So they answered a lot of my questions, which was very helpful. Um, but yeah, the video stuff was all learned. And like, I always say when I did quit my job and go full-time on YouTube, I had no business doing that. Like it, it wasn't the best time. Like I wasn't really making any money. I was starting to get to that point, but like the natural progression of people usually, you know, taking YouTube full-time is like, they get to a point where they're making money. They just don't have enough time in the day to do that and their full-time job. Yeah. So they're like, well, I'm making almost as much as I am at my full-time job. So I could quit now. I can you know, I have enough income, but like, I didn't have any business doing that when, <laughs> when I, I had like 30,000 YouTube subscribers, I think at that point, which is like, I'm not making much money. Like I'm not putting, making enough to pay the bills for rent and all that yeah. stuff. Um, but you know, I got to that point, like the first year I lost money, which is like not super surprising. The second year I made some money and then I was making as much as I did at my full-time job after I think three years. Oh, wow. That's so it takes bad, time though. to get there. Yeah. yeah. Blood, sweat and tears. Yeah. Hey. Right. Right. That's, that's the thing is like after one year, like maybe I, I should have quit on it, but I was like, I saw, I saw the traction. I saw the way it was going. And you know, we, we, you know, have my wife's paycheck, which was a steady paycheck and health insurance, which was there you go. very key. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that helped out a lot. So from there, is that how you kind of got involved? Well, you, you said you were kind of roommates with Graz, but um, well, yeah. house. Yeah, we slept in bunk. We slept in bunk beds. Duplex mates. Yeah, <laughs> step So style. much room for activities. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, We're woodworkers, we could do that. Is that kind of how, like, through the YouTube channel? Is that kind of how you got involved with the with making fun, or what? Like, how did that come up? Yeah, I mean, that's how me and Graz met because we lived in the same building, and that's how I got connected with Carolina Shoe because he used to work for their their parent company, right? And he kind of helped me work that deal out with them. Um, but yeah, that's how we met and then met, uh, Derek and Jimmy, Jimmy, I met through YouTube, Pat, I met through YouTube, Derek was just kind of a mutual friend from them. And like Graz and Derek have their own history. They grew up in the same town, I guess. And, uh, you know, Jimmy and, and Derek are best buddies. And the way that the, the show came together is kind of long story short. I think Graz probably told the story too, but we we're filming a video in New York city for my, when I hit a hundred thousand subscribers, you get access to the YouTube space in New York City. And I was like, well, let's let's shoot a video there just for the fun of it. And just made a little video with a little skit and made a giant Adirondack chair as part of that skit. And I was like, hey, J- you know, maybe Jimmy will show up in this in the video because he's he's in New York all the time. Uh, so we we called him up. He's like, yeah, well, I'll be there. Sure. And he's like, hey, Derek's with me. Can you care if I bring him on? And I was like, oh, yeah, totally. Let's, let's have him in the video, too. So we kind of wrote him into the script and took this photo at the end of the day just you know, it was like, hey, let's take a photo while we're all here. We can all fit on this chair. Uh, and we did that. A couple of years later, made a post on Reddit of this giant nutcracker that I built. I do like these posts every once in a while, just showing the build process. The TV producer saw that, found that photo of the five of us. And she's like, who are these guys? I want to talk with these guys too. Because we had like done a Skype call. Because that's like how the, the TV stuff works. Is like you get an email. It's like, hey, let's do a Skype call and record it. Send it to a some sort of TV executive. And it's like, I don't know how that stuff works in the background. But... That, that's what works is you have a Skype call for an hour, then you never hear from them again. Yeah. But uh, this, this one was a little bit different. I got a call back again. It's like, I want to talk with these guys. These guys look interesting. They're, they're friends of yours, I assume. And it's like, yeah. Yeah. And then they kind of all developed from there, from that one photo, really. Wow. That's really cool. And from YouTube too, just being able to connect with that community over, which, right. that, yeah, like back in the day when there was no social media, internet, probably was a lot harder to, you know, collaborate connect with people but i think that speaks volumes on what how far youtube and you know i think social media can be negative has have a lot of negative effects but also the positive um is huge for starting communities you know networking collaborating that that's pretty cool to be to meet a good solid friend group over youtube while you're creating videos right yeah it's it's the internet's great about connecting like-minded people which as you said, it's sometimes not great if you think the earth is flat or whatever, but if you're into woodworking, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> this call is over. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? 
So one you of just our cut off the audio right there. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I can't hear you. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what <laughs> I'm happened. Driving there, through a tunnel it, in my yeah, living room. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I think I I know the answer to this next question, but I I want to ask it in case there's a different answer. Um, as you're growing up and or getting into the trade side of things or getting into engineering or into YouTube. Um, who are the people that really inspired you in, in your journey for any part of that um, process? But who are the people that really stick out to you um, as far as like inspirations that really like helped you along? Maybe like mentor type people um, who really who you kind of credit for kind of where you are today. I mean, YouTube specifically would be Jimmy Duresta, uh, Tim Sway, and then Steve Ramsey. Those three guys have been doing it for probably longer than anybody um i i stumbled upon i don't know who it was first jimmy or steve uh their videos and uh from from jimmy i think i found tim sway and he's like such an unsung hero of the woodworking youtube community i think like it's he's been doing it for for a long long time he kind of flies under everybody's radar and he just you know religiously publishes weekly videos he's doing like almost exclusively like guitar builds now like he's a musician oh, cool. uh, by trade he, he was a, a full-time musician for a while and then uh you know for a bit he was making like coffee tables for rich people and that evolved into making guitars and a lot of reclaimed guitars like his thing is just reclaimed like almost exclusively everything he does is is reclaiming materials and he's inspired me a lot he was a lot of a help a big mentor uh when i was getting into youtube stuff and quit my job and like he was a an instigator in that decision as well. Cause we, we went down and met him at a maker fair in Connecticut. And that was the first time we met him and he was talking to me. He's like, everybody, he says this to, I think, uh, but he's like, yeah, quit your job, quit your job. You gotta go out on your own and, and do something like you could do it. Um, and I mean, it worked out. So I guess he was right. That's a big piece of advice to just throw on someone. Right. <laughs> hey, just quit. I, just the career that you've spent X amount of years, you know, honing, just it's quit it's fine but also there's there's probably some <laughs> there's probably some freedom in that though too hey like when you when you yeah. like boxed up your things from your desk and walked out was that where you're like oh my gosh this is happening yeah it was straight it was i don't know it's complicated like when i when i left that company like i liked my time there my boss was great he was an awesome mentor too and we really got along well. They ended up firing him about the same time I was going to leave anyway. Like the plan was for me to work remotely and they fired him and the whole estimate department was like, I think, I think we're done here. We're going to leave. Uh, just cause like he was kind of the whole thing that was tying the, the department together. And we're like, I don't really want to work for anybody else here. So it was like great timing. It, it kind of worked out for me. I was like, all right, I guess I won't work remotely. I'll, I'll take it out. Uh, you know, try something else, try something on my own. Uh, so that kind of forced my, hand there a little bit yeah but, i can yeah. imagine just being like uh well i guess the timing's okay well that's a mark in the pros column of my pros and cons list of, of if i should do this or not right yeah because i was like one foot out the door i was like yeah i'll, I'll work remotely that'll be fine and yeah then once i got rid of him i was like i think the working remotely thing is gonna be tough and that was before working remotely was like a thing like that was that was a bit before it's time yeah, before definitely before COVID, hey. <laughs> now it right. just seems standard. Right? Yeah. When you go to apply for a job, can I work from home? Yes, you may. Yes. Right. That probably <laughs> would have just been what I was doing anyway, and I probably wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. I would have taken that remotely and kept doing that. Oh, yeah. Man. So with you're involved with so many different projects and use different um, materials. You've got laser cutters. You do a lot of with epoxy. Do you have any like favorite materials, or is there something that kind of sparks your interest um that's maybe game changing right now or like yeah do you have some stuff some of your favorite materials you like to work with because i've watched watch you on youtube and instagram and you've got so many different tools and you play around with so many different things that like do you have any favorite materials i guess that you like to to work with or to experiment with or is there something out there that you want to try that you haven't done quite yet I don't know. I mean, there's this new material called, uh, I think it's MDF. It's really <laughs> nice. Uh, it's like a new luxury material they're coming out with and developing. It's really nice. Yeah. Very <laughs> structurally sound, right? Yeah. Yeah. You, it's like great, like marine grade product. Moisture wicking. Like it's bomb proof. Yeah. It's moisture wicking. <laughs> <laughs> 
use that as a sales point. Yeah, it's not a sponge. Those days are <laughs> over. It's uh, it's funny because I've been doing a lot of MDF stuff because I it's used as like a, a packing material for these templates that I sell, and I got a laser cutter recently, so I've been doing a lot of laser cutting up MDF. Oh, yeah. um, but the serious answer is probably I don't know. I mean, pallet wood is is kind of I guess it's my trademark thing. Like that's always fun. Uh, but anything, I'm always trying to learn new stuff and use new materials. I'm always looking for for junk on the side of the road. Um, I think it was about a year ago I acquired 3,000 square feet or so of reclaimed basketball flooring wow, from some schools cool. in, in Baltimore. I, uh, <laughs> it's That's kind of a cool. long, long story again, but... Well, we're here for it. When I, was in, when I was in D.C., there was a store in Baltimore that sold reclaimed stuff called Brick and Board, and they sold bricks and boards too and it was all reclaimed like they do barn teardowns like just anything like if there's a barn that's coming down they'll go and take every piece and sort it out and a lot of their business i think is making reclaimed flooring from these big barn beams they'll resaw it down like they have this whole wood shop where they saw down and make their own flooring but this maple flooring that i got was basketball flooring from some local schools in baltimore when i was down in dc i would go there occasionally and get materials i got some like horse fencing that they that they had it was just this white oak, like it's really nice white oak horse fencing. I don't know why they use it for fencing, wow. but it was there. <laughs> really um, high roll ranchers, like we're talking. It's, that's it's from the, Yellowstone, is it? The Yellowstone Ranch? Yeah, yeah. It's the best of the best. <laughs> Dutton Ranch, yeah. <laughs> like for my fences, I only use white oak. Of course, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's for, for like the Budweiser Clydesdales or something. Yeah. <laughs> wow. But, uh, Anyway, like when I was there, I saw this basketball flooring they had in the upstairs. Just it must have been like three gymnasiums worth. It was just filling me upstairs. I was like, I really wish I needed that stuff because it was just cool. Uh, it's just like this really nice, like it's inch thick, which is like commercial grade maple flooring. Like I don't even know where you would buy that if you wanted it. Um, long story long, I I didn't get any of that. I moved here, and my wife was like, Hey, you should go back and get some of that basketball flooring to put in the floor of the barn. And I was like, There's no way that they still have it. It's been like two years since I've been there last time. I was like, there's there's no way. You're an idiot. And then <laughs> <laughs> like maybe after I later, woke up on the couch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. After I moved that out. <laughs> but I I just I, I spent so much time being like, there's no way that's still there. There's no way. You're crazy. And then there's this auction company that I could email newsletters from. And I get this email from this reclaimed company called Brick and Board. I was like, there's no way that's the same place. It was like, no, that's the same place. They got a new location. They're moving. And like, we don't want to move all this junk. So we're just going to sell off, you know, half our inventory. So we don't have to move it. I click on there and there's basketball flooring. And I was like, all right, I have to get it. Wow. <laughs> I called my wife. I was like, all right, we can end our separation now. We can get back together. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you win. <laughs> and how much of this yeah. did you get then? It's about like 3,000 square feet. I think oh. it's in, so they, they go into this gymnasium and they cut like this six by six grid. So it's in these like square pieces and then they pluck it out. Cause it's on, it's on a concrete floor. It's on these sleepers. So it's all nailed together still. Mm -hmm. And they just pluck out these squares and they have them stacked up. So I, it was a whole process going down to Baltimore. I rented a big Penske truck, like the biggest one they had and just filled it wow. with this flooring with a buddy of mine and, and brought it back here. So do you have to take nails out and strip it with the finish and all that? Have you done that yet? Or is it still? We're, yeah, it's kind of a slow process we're working on. My wife, I think right now is working on taking a few of those panels apart. And uh, it's, yeah, you got to like flip it upside down, pull all the sleepers off, take the nails out. And I, I'm trying to decide if I want to keep the finish on there. Cause it's kind of cool. Cause it's got the stripes from the floor. Oh yeah. Oh, so yeah. it kind of, it looks funky. It'll be all randomized. So it'll, it won't line up anymore. But I kind of want to leave it on there. But I think it's it's got like an amber tint to it, so it's like very yellow. Yeah. So I mm. I think I'm gonna have to strip it down and redo it. Unfortunately. What do you think you're gonna use it for? So I'm gonna put it upstairs in the barn. That'll use oh, maybe that's half. What, of it. Okay. So you're going with the barn thing, Kate. Yeah. So that'll go up there, and then the other half I don't know yet. But it's like it's such nice material. It's this hard maple. It's like crazy dense stuff. Some of it's got bird's eye in it. Ooh. Like I don't even know what this stuff would cost if you bought it brand new like it's like really premium material and like you can plane it down it's got you know the flutes in the bottom of it from from the flooring but you can plane it down you still have like three quarters of an inch left like you still have a full thickness of wood if you want to make a tabletop or whatever out of it and it's cool because your old uh shop teacher and it's from a school it's just that's that whole thing is sweet you have like right. a gym floor 
Oh man, that's just so cool. He he thought I was crazy when I told him about it. Like every everything I do upstairs, he's like, "Why are you investing in this space so much?" Like the French cleat wall. He's like, "I would never, I would never do that." Like he tells me that every time that he sees me do something new, he's like, "Why would you cover up the insulation?" It was fine how it was. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a and barn. like he's great. He he's grateful too because it's like it's his barn. He appreciates the effort I'm putting into it. But it's like to him, it's just a wood shop. But yeah. to me, it's like it's a video production studio that also happens to be a wood shop. And it's like a piece of your history. There's got to be something. Yeah. There's got to be some sentimental value to that too. Yeah. So like the the flooring, he's really excited about now. Like now that he's, he's starting to work on taking those pieces apart. He's like, "Oh, you're actually doing it. It's actually happening." But he still thinks it's crazy for me to do it. That's funny. Well, with that French cleat wall, the ladder that you did is that to reach yeah. up to the high. That I've always thought I want to. I want a big library. <laughs> unit or right? a room cool. with one of those but now i'm like i want a big ass shop where i can throw one of those up so i can go grab my most cherished piece of equipment up there because nobody can touch it unless the ladder's on where, how did that like where'd you get the ladder how did that how did you get inspired to put that in yeah so it's just like part of this is how my story works it kind of happened by accident there's a, a local sporting goods company went out of business here and they closed a few stores and i'd gotten they'd closed one down locally i got some uh just shelving and tables and stuff from them, just some little stuff. And then they closed down the rest of their stores after that. They're like, oh, okay, we're done. Because <laughs> they were going to keep those open and then they decided to close everything down. So I was like, oh, let's see what these guys have. And they happened to have those in the back room. They had three of these library ladders. I was like, those are cool. Like, I don't have any use for them really, but they're just, they're cool. And uh, so I, I picked them up. I got a good deal on them because the short store was closing down. So I picked it up from from there and I was like, I'll, I'll put one upstairs in the barn. And it was funny because I thought that, that Mac, my, my old shop teacher, would, would poo-poo the idea and be like, that's ridiculous. Why would you do that? But once I got it put in place, he saw it. He's like, ah, that's kind of cool. I like it. Now, does it still roll <laughs> like, down on the floor when you go across the whole floor if the floor is not level? How does that happen? <laughs> or how does that so work? It's funny. Everybody wants me to do, I think it's Beauty and the Beast or something where she's like in the library and she like flies across the room. Everybody wants me to reenact <laughs> that. But this thing is is like a commercial grade library ladder, and it has brakes built into it. So you step on it, and it like steps on the wheels, so uh, it like squats down, so you can't roll when you're on the ladder. So you got to modify it. I know. I was like, this is lame. I want to roll. When That'd I'm be on a ladder. fun video for you and Pat to do. Yeah, rolling across the shop. One of you dress up as Belle, and one's the Beast, and then do a video. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I think know. we know who's who. Yeah, I don't know if there's gonna be copyright infringement, but. Uh... Whatever. I'll make sure it happens though. Oh yeah. We'll do it. I think and so I, I got three of them. I'm hoping to put one downstairs if we can make it fit. And then uh, I got this new commercial space that I haven't talked about yet. It's actually a secret still. Ooh, uh, uh, I bought this uh, commercial bay and I, I'm going to put one in there. Oh, nice. So people Sweet. will learn about that more soon. Nice. Ooh. Teasing so, it. So will you be uh, slowly acquiring, like is that French cleat wall? Is it for hand tools, portable tools, or just kind of everything? That yeah, that's your... just kind of everything. There'll be a lot of hardware up there. I got a lot of like old peanut butter jars that I use to hold hardware. So I got a bunch of storage built into that. Um, but that's what I was using the laser cutter for, cutting a bunch of quarter-inch MDF for just custom tool holders to go on that wall. Yeah, I've, I've kind of dabbled into the uh, French cleat stuff at school, and it is it is amazing. I almost want to put it in my garage and because you can move stuff yeah. around if you want to switch it up. It's not very hard to make new, you know, organizers. You got laser cutter, CNC machines, and you can go onto Pinterest, Google, Instagram, YouTube, and just I'm just I'm astounded by how many different options there are for storage now. Whether it's for you know tools, screws, paper towel, glue bottles, like it's just it's crazy how far and how creative people can get with that French cleat system. Right, right, and, it, and it's been I don't know it started being a trend maybe. I don't know, seven, eight years ago. And like from there, it just keeps growing. People keep thinking of new ideas of what to put on, on the walls and new designs and stuff. And it's cool to see it grow. I, I built a, a French cleat panel in the basement shop uh, probably seven, eight years ago when it was starting to get popular. Yeah. And those panels, because I built the French cleats onto a sheet of plywood, those panels came with me every time we moved. So those have been oh. in every single shop since then. So that's that's one of the reasons I like the French cleats. It's modular. Yes. So you can, like you said, you can customize it, move it anywhere, relocate everything. And when you build them on a panel, you can just bring it with you and hang it up on the new wall. So those were hanging up on that wall where the new French cleat wall is. And I just recently got rid of them because I wanted to fill the entire wall mm -hmm. with French cleats. 
That's a great idea, putting the French cleat on panels and then just screwing the, what would it be, like three-quarter-inch plywood that you're attaching them to? Just half-inch is good enough. Oh, wow. those, those first ones I did were three-quarter cleats on three-quarter panels, and they're really heavy. <laughs> but I figured out you don't need that much. The half-inch is good enough for the yeah. backer panel. That's wicked. That's a great I'm like, okay, i got to start building panels for the garage. If we move, they're yeah. coming with me. <laughs> yeah, you can always use it. It's funny because like the panels, as I moved, they gradually got smaller and smaller because I cut them down a little <laughs> bit to fit them in the new spaces. So I ended up now that I have like three quarters of a sheet of plywood left. <laughs> so that's why I made the, the new ones. You don't have that panel stretcher? Yeah. I know I should. <laughs> it's new. Harbor just... Freight has one. <laughs> that must be new. Yeah, it's new. It's just, they just released, revealed it at uh, one of the trade shows. Yeah. I got my 20% off coupon for it already. <laughs> oh, sweet. Yeah. I'm on that email list too. <laughs> Even though we don't have Harbor Freight in Canada. Princess Auto, that's what they call it. Right, right. You got that or the what Canadian Tire? Yeah, we got Canadian Tire. That's a little. I don't know. It's, it's a little different, though. A little different. A little different. Yeah. My first trip to Canada, I was like, Pat, we gotta go to Canadian Tire. I gotta see it. It's more than just tires. That's <laughs> yeah. It's why it's like a Walmart, really. It really is. It's a Walmart for yeah. for Canadians. <laughs> well, there's even some of them even have like yeah, there's clothes. Yeah, it's just. It's really true. I never thought about it like that. It's kind of like a Walmart. Really? <laughs> and we're walking through it. I was like, oh, they got tools. They got tires. That's expected. And then I was like, oh, they have hockey equipment. Yeah. All right. That's kind of expected. And then I see food and stuff. I was like, all right, this is different from what I thought. And fishing equipment. And then there's like, you can buy a blender while you're there. Yeah. They got bikes. Barbecue. Everything. Yeah. Love Canadian <laughs> tires. There's auto parts section. Anyways. This episode is not sponsored by Canadian Tire. <laughs> Uh, any any news? Can you can you share any news on uh, if there's going to be a new season of Making Fun, or is that just kind of out there? Yeah, I mean the the latest we have from Netflix is it's not an immediate season two renewal. It's not a definite no. I think that means no, but that's what they told us is <laughs> we're not getting renewed right away. Just uh, this week, the Emmy nominations. There's like a new kids Emmys thing. Making Fun was nominated for one of those Emmys. No way. What? Congratulations. So that's news. That's amazing. That's, yeah, that's breaking Congrats. news. I don't think we've even published that yet. Um, but that maybe makes it a little bit more hopeful for season two. We'll see. That's amazing. How is it working with interacting with the kids? Because it, it seems like Jimmy's quite, you know, stern. And you and you guys would be just all these different ideas. I've watched it with my kids quite a few times. And did you have a blast with that? I guess process and bringing the kids on and you know yeah. getting to, to pick their brains about these crazy ideas that they want you to build something for them. Yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. It's it's funny in the edit, like it looks a lot more punchy than it was. Yeah, and because like each of those kids, we probably talked to for an hour, and then they cut it down to that little segment that's probably two three minutes with all the kids all together. Um, and and they the the kids were fun because they appreciated they they picked up on our sarcasm very quickly it's the best and <laughs> like they realized exactly what was going on as soon as it happened like i've seen a lot of adults complain on on twitter or whatever that like we were too mean to the kids or you know stuff like that it's like no the kids were punching back as much as we were punching at them like the kids they're a lot smarter than than people give them credit for and they can pick up on subtle stuff like that um, but yeah it was a lot of fun cuz like once the kids realized what was going on like at, at first, like they are on their screen on, on Zoom or Skype or whatever. And they see these like big five hairy guys, like in their faces are like, oh, what's going on here? And then we start joking around with them and they loosen up real quick. They're like, oh, these are just five kids that happen yeah. to be adults too. Yeah. Yeah. Old kids. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I love it's like some of the kids school. when they go on, they're like, hi. It's like, okay, we'll be easy on this guy. Like you could tell who could take and who can't. Yeah. And then like the, uh. Oh, which episode the rock paper scissors episode those two kids like they started like fist fighting each other in the middle of the call and they were like calling jimmy old man and like they were really laying into <laughs> us so like <laughs> they were a lot of fun to, to really lean into and, and roast a little bit that's cool and they enjoyed it and i think i think jimmy gets painted in that like old you know like grumpy old man kind of light but i think I, we there's this other documentary or something that i just just watched with him and he's I don't think that's him at all from, you know, it, it I, you could probably, um, uh, I don't know what to clarify that, but, um, I think 
is it just like a Netflix thing just to kind of they pick up on or just maybe film and TV in general, they pick up on one trait and then that's what they focus on the whole time. Yeah. That, that's the thing is like, we're all ourselves on the show, but we're like a caricature of ourselves. We're like yeah. an extreme version of ourselves. Like I'm the engineer and they turn me into like the nerd on, on the show. And like, Jimmy's like the grumpy guy, which is like, he keeps saying like to defend himself. He's like, I'm not that grumpy. I don't hate kids. It's like, well, <laughs> kind of, <laughs> it's half true. <laughs> it's half true like it's we all play to 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 who we are and, and it's on tv you know you have to blow it up a little bit more than yeah what it is in real in real life so he's he's like the most lovable guy he can get grumpy especially when he's around tv executives uh, <laughs> so like it was easy for him to play the character because you know he was around tv executives 10 hours 12 hours a day yeah um but yeah like he's he's the sweetest like most lovable guy like especially him and Derek, like such softies, which you probably wouldn't expect. Just you know, seeing their faces, you might judge them otherwise. But like, they'll cry at, at the you know, just seeing a puppy. Like yeah. they're so sensitive. You can kind of see like, that great. in some of the some of the most more recent like videos about about well Jimmy for one, um, just how yeah. he, he just seems like a real nice dude, you know. He is. Um, and he's so welcoming yeah. and like just understanding about just everybody, you know, wherever they come from, doesn't matter. Like they're always welcome. Did you find the working with those, speaking of executives, um, having, <laughs> having those people like looking over your shoulder all the time, did it take away from some of the creativity of like making in general? Or did you guys just have like a full reign to just do whatever you want and they just hit record? It was a bit of a mixed bag, I think. Yeah. Um, we we butted had some just because they're TV executives. They want something different from what we want. Like we just want to make stuff and make cool stuff and have fun. And I think we got really lucky. The showrunner, Mike, was very, uh, very understanding and very adaptable, more than I expected. Like I expected TV producers to just be like, hey, this is what we're doing. You're the talent. Do what I say. But like we would throw out ideas to him and he'd be like, I like that. Let's do that. And like just like little video editing tricks or whatever. Like I do a thing in my videos where I like have something glued up and I drop it on the table and the clamps disappear. The clamps fall off. And I was like, hey, when we had the, the guitar neck glued up, I was like, hey, can we do that where we drop the guitar neck and the clamps fall off? And they're like, yeah, that's a fun idea. And they set up the cameras and they they shot. It's like a half a second sequence in the in the show, but it made it. That's cool. And it's in there. And like if in the uh, the intro, this is one of my fun funnest memories from the show is we, we were recording the intro there was a lineup of me i think it was pat graz and then Derek. i don't remember the order but graz was like three into the lineup and he's shorter than the rest of us like we're all pretty tall like i'm six three i'm a big guy like all of us are, are pretty big guys and graz is like probably average height but next to us he looks really short so we like kept leaning into that like he was the little short guy like we kept making fun of him for that so in the intro they're recording it I'm first and then they go to to Derek and then they go to Graz and once they got off of me I could go behind the monitors and kind of watch what was going on and I saw they had to as they went to from Derek to Graz they had to adjust the camera down a little bit so they got to his face I was like hey Mike what do you think about like doing that like very deliberately like yeah, going from straight from over Derek going to Graz and then going like oh have it tilt the camera down <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> and I like going into the show like I expected when I did stuff like that them to be like go to your trailer you're the talent like don't tell me what to do but it was like the complete opposite of that like they were like that's really funny let's do that that's cool. and they spent like an hour completely resetting up the camera setting it up on a slider and do like redoing everything just to get that shot for the intro but it made it and it's really funny that's sweet. the way that it came together it's gonna be such a fun experience to be able to work with a close group of friends and have kind of free reign and have this creativity and just make things, whether it's, you know, well, there's metal, you know, lathe work. There's so many different types of mediums that were used. And it seems like you, from watching the show quite frequently, a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, I just think, like, oh, if I could work with my friends, to... that would be wicked. You know, the show is called Making Fun. So. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Now, have you done anything? That, <laughs> have you done anything with, with that group, with Graz and Jimmy and Pat and Derek prior to this? Have you been in part of any you know, big projects together? Or was that kind of the first, the first one? I mean, besides like we did the, the YouTube video for my channel in uh, New York city, we kind of all worked together on that. But I mean, me and Pat have collabed on a few videos. 
Uh, we did one recently after the show came out. We built a, a table for a, a Canadian, uh, French comedian, uh, Mike Ward. You guys probably know him. Yeah, I've Maybe. heard of Mike Ward. I haven't. I haven't okay. I've heard the name. Yeah, yeah. He's he's very famous in Quebec. It's funny. He's like very famous in like a small group of people. Yeah, kind of like yeah. like I feel like the same way for me. Like I'm very well known, like in a very small group of people. So it's like I'm not famous, but I am in a very niche group. Yeah. So like it's kind of the same for him. So he sold out the Bell Center, which is where the the Montreal Canadiens play. He sold yeah. that out for a live podcast, and me and Pat built the table that was center stage at that show, oh, which is kind of cool. Since the show, are you starting to collaborate more together and do? I know you and Pat are, you know, take quite a few projects, but then with Jimmy and you stay in close contact. Um, since yeah, I mean, we're we're always we're always still talking with each other, and and me and Pat have built. Uh, we've done a couple projects together since the show came out. Like me and Pat are probably the closest. Um, you know, with me and and everybody else on the on the show, uh, we've done probably four or five collaboration videos together. Um, but, but it's, it was nice, like just working with your friends. Like it's not like people saw the show and who weren't familiar with us just assumed that like Netflix went out and casted five people that looked like they were woodworkers. Cause like you look at the five of us, it's like, all right, you fit the bill. Yeah. But like, that's not what happened at all. Like we were cast as a group of five friends and we have like very, um, varying experiences and, and varying, uh, things that we're good at and we kind of fit very well together and in places that some of us are weak in, like we kind of supplement each other very well. And it was just a, it was kind of just happened by accident. It was the perfect group of people, I think, to make that happen. That's awesome. Yeah, definitely was. Yeah. So going forward, um, do you have any advice for someone who's looking into getting into woodworking or maybe making as far as like a hobby or basically what you're doing, all the things that you're doing, um, if if someone wants to get into that and whatever aspect you want to choose, whether it's the engineering side of things or woodworking or making in general, um, what what advice would you give them? I mean, I, I would say look around your home and see something that you need and then build it. Like there's, there's always a need for something and it doesn't have to be great. It's not going to be good the first time you do it, but like that'll get your foot in the door. And like once you start acquiring tools, like the process gets so much easier. Like you, you get like your first set of tools, your first set of cordless tools or whatever. And it's like, that opens the door to a lot of, of stuff. And like, once, once you start, like the, the barrier to entry is a lot smaller as, as you go. Um, but just find something you need. Like that's kind of naturally the way to do it is, is like, Oh, I need a dining table. Let's build a dining table. It won't be perfect. This is my first project, but like you'll learn from it. And maybe a few years later, you'll build a, a different dining table and pass that one down to somebody else. Or like Adirondack chairs is something I recommend to a lot of people. I played on my website. I built them in high school and people see them and they look fancy. Like they're, they're like really nice. They have curves on them, but it's like, it's a great beginner project. It's way easier than it looks. Like you cut the pieces to size and you put it together, you know, kind of like a, a little kit build, like if you're building like a little model car or something. And it's like the curves are built into the, the shapes of the pieces of wood. And you don't really have to, you don't have to form the curves yourself. You're cutting straight lines. And then the finished project is curving. It looks fancy and you could show it to people and be like, Hey, I made this and they'll be really impressed. But you're like, you don't have to tell them it was easy. Yeah. <laughs> so I noticed when you were describing or when you were responding there, you mentioned it won't be perfect. Now, do you come, right. do you see a lot of that in just, just in like our society as far as this need to be, to have it perfect the first time and, and people's not being willing to, to grow in that way. Like we talked about earlier is that a common yeah. is that a common thing people need to get over you think I I think so I think it's like the barrier to entry with this is one acquiring the tools and having you know, enough money to buy the tools and then two is probably not thinking that you're good enough like it's you know you're, yourself in your own head being like I don't think I could do that and that's probably what it is it's like you you see somebody like Jimmy or something make this whatever it is like he carved like this buddha head out of foam and it looks incredible and you see that it's like i could never do that it's like no you, you probably could like it's not as difficult as, as it looks like we're not that special yeah. like we, we've been doing it longer so it looks more perfect than it will be the first time you do it but like the best time to start is yesterday like you're not going to learn those things unless you do it and it takes repetition it takes time 
Like the more you do it, the more repetition it is, the more natural your hands are going to, you know, take these movements into account. You kind of get a muscle memory of how to use stuff. Like when you're carving stuff, it's going to look kind of, you know, kind of crappy the first time you do it, but the muscle memory builds and you get the technique down every time you do it. And you kind of have to go into it knowing that it's not going to look like I made it or look, look like Jimmy made it. It's going to look like a first time, you know, person made the project, yeah. but that's fine. Cause that's what it is. <laughs> and having that's how that, it looked the first time I built a project. Yeah. And having that mindset of being like, okay, I'm going to learn from these mistakes and well, humility. Hey, yeah. Yeah. And the, the hardest part of the project is starting. Once yeah. you start, it, it's easy from there. So you might have like touched your, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, you got to get yourself in motion. It's like, like if you're pushing a car or something, like it's hard to get it going at first, but once it's moving, it's moving and you're good. And you got the motion, you got the momentum and you just got to take advantage of that momentum. Yeah. You've mentioned maybe a couple things here, but uh, what would be some specific skill sets that are important to develop to get into this area um, of making, creating, woodworking, like technical skill sets that would be good to develop? Right. Um, I think one thing that's very helpful, I don't know if it's a skill set, but just visualization of like shapes in your mind. Like if you can view like, you know, the parametric models or something like that, like a cube, mm -hmm. like the shape of a cube as you spin it around or like a house, you know, like a very basic, like the, the monopoly piece house. Like if you can picture that from like all the views, like that helps a lot. Like if you can get that, that thought process in your mind of how stuff kind of goes together. I don't know if that's oh yeah, it feels yeah like sure a cop out a cop out answer. No, but, that's uh, a great one. Thinking in three D, I just almost like a three D representation yeah. or yeah. And I remember going through the tech school, learning how to make stuff. Like it's it's it seems like such a big bite to take on building you know a table or an adirondack or anything like that. But you get to a certain point where you're learning like you learn how to use a table saw. This is how you cut something straight. It's like that's a very fundamental skill or like a skill saw, you learn how to cut straight lines with that. Or a bandsaw, you learn how that kind of operates and how you have to anticipate the cut. So it's like every tool is very specific. Once you learn that, you kind of piece everything together after you do a half a dozen projects. Like a lot of people start building from plants, which is good. That's great how a way to learn stuff. But you get to a point where it like it clicks in your head and you're like, "Oh, you can see a piece of furniture. Like I know how that goes together. You don't need the plans. Mm -hmm. Like you just know how that happens. It's like that, that is the point where like everything changes in your maker builder career. And it's like, I can see something and I can build it. I can go in the shop and I know enough techniques to get myself there. Mm -hmm. And there's also more than probably five or 10 ways to recreate that type of joinery or build that piece of furniture. Exactly. Exactly. And every time, like every time I build a project, I try to incorporate something new that I'm learning that I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. Like I'm doing fiberglass on this, on this camper that like I've kind of done fiberglass, but not to this scale. So like, that's a very new technique that I'm going to learn on this. And then I can keep that in my back pocket and I have that for next time. Yeah. Now you mentioned some, a barrier to entry to getting started is tools. Um, mm -hmm. What would be like top three starting out tools that you would recommend? So I would say, this is how I got started was with a jigsaw and a drill. And I'd probably add a circular saw to that list. And like that will do anything you want. Um, a, a jigsaw is a band saw that you hold with your hand. A circular saw is a table saw that you hold with your hand. So like you can do any of those processes just, you know, at a smaller scale, it takes longer, really. It's mm -hmm. slightly less accurate, but you get good with a skill saw, you can cut a pretty straight line that'll, you know, yeah. that'll compete with a table saw. But you jigsaw can also get, drill, also tracks for those circular, and circular saws and saw. different accessories for each one of those to turn them into multi-functional right. tools too. Right? There you go. Yeah. Or find a straight piece of wood, clamp it down and that gets you pretty close. There you go. Yeah. Sweet. So that that's it. I buy those three, two, those three tools. And then once you have money, get a table saw, get a band saw, get a, uh, a drill press. Like those are like, they're the same tool, just bigger and more expensive. <laughs> <laughs> and then get into the lasers and all this, like the, the shaper CNC's the, there's so many different avenues to go into, um, kind of size right. the limits with this technology. Now it's probably I, just going to get even crazier as the years go on. Yeah. And, and that stuff too, like the laser you mentioned, like a CNC router, like those can supplement those tools as well. Like you can cut straight lines with a CNC, like you're not gonna do everything with either of those tools, but they can add a lot to your skill set and a lot to your, you know, potential stuff that you can build. Mm -hmm. 
That's awesome. This has been great. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, I want to thank you for coming on. And uh, before, as we kind of, as we kind of um, get to the outro here, I just, where can people find you? And is there anything you'd like to promote? Uh, I mean, OnlyFans.com slash JackmanWorks is always a good place. Oh, perfect. Uh, <laughs> well, is, that like the that? Foot, is that the foot one? Yeah, it's the foot one, hey? It's anything. Whatever you want. Oh, okay. Just, just, <laughs> pay, just pay enough money, I'll do what you want. Just send me money. Yeah. There's different pay levels, tiers here. It sounds, like, it sounds like you want feet, so I'll do that. Hey. <laughs> Whatever blows your hair back, I guess. <laughs> uh, JackmanWorks.com, you can find everything there. Um, yeah. Anything that's, that's pretty much it. Making fun on Netflix. That's the Netflix show. If you haven't seen that yet, go watch it. There's eight episodes, eight, eight different builds. Uh, the kids give us ideas, and we build. You know, we pick one of the kids, and we build their idea, mm-hmm. and that's the whole episode. That's awesome. So that's a lot of fun. And it sounds by our conversation, you're mostly active, like I guess, on the YouTube channel and and your uh, Instagram. Yeah, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok are okay. the the biggest things right now for me. And, and we'll link to uh, those in the show out. notes. Yeah. Thank you. And, and go check out Making Fun on Instagram too. And from there, that links out to the whole cast for Making Fun. So oh, you can cool. find everybody that way. Awesome. And yeah, like I said, we'll we'll link to all those in the show notes um, of this episode. Paul, thank you so much for coming on. This is, this is awesome. We appreciate it. And maybe we'll, we, we kind of want to have you on again and maybe, maybe have like Graz on too or have some sort of, do something fun in the future. I think that'd be really yeah. cool. So thanks, I'm for that. I'm thanks, for Paul. Whatever. We really appreciate it, and thank you, everyone, for listening. Thanks, Hoff. Thanks, Rosie. And we'll see you guys in the next one. <laughs>